Welcome, welcome to Toddler Purgatory. I am one of your hosts, Blair. Hi, everyone. It's Molly here. Molly here. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. Like, I don't know what I thought that was going to sound like, but it came out like Max Headroom. Do you guys remember Max Headroom? Oh, yeah. Ooh. Oldie Lux Alert. A show from the 80s, was it? Oldie Lux Alert. (laughs) To be frank, I don't even remember what the show was about, but he became sort of a pop cultural thing in like late 80s, early 90s, maybe? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was like on MTV all the time, right? Yes. So bizarre. Anywho. Hi, everyone. Thanks for tuning on into Toddler Purgatory. Hey, while we're thinking of it, if you think of it, (laughs) if you could take a minute to rate and review Toddler Purgatory, it allows us to reach more people and bring more people into the Todd Perg's family. Come on in. Come get a big squish. I said the water's great and you said come get a big squish. (laughs) Something's odd about that. (laughs) That's a spongy thing. But it works. It works. Hey, so today we're talking about something that is near to our hearts, not necessarily dear to our hearts, and it is taking a trip way down, down, down in tantrum town. Ugh. Temper tantrums. The very worst. Yes. Now, Blair is in it to win it because she has a five-year-old and a 2.5-year-old. Oh, a 2.5-year-old, you say? Tantruming? What? Hold on. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, that my jaw dropped when I heard that peak that the scream gets to. I'm so familiar with that. Yeah. Yeah. That was the other night. What was the tantrum about? She didn't eat her dinner, and therefore she couldn't have a bite of her cookie. Ah. Guess how long it lasted, Molly? I don't know. Tantrums? 32 minutes and 48 seconds. (laughs) You have the exact time. Because that's 32 minutes and 48 seconds. You're never going to get back. Ever. Ever. Gone. Forever. Oh, man. But you know what? Her, too. She's never going to get it back, either. She wasted precious life on screaming like a nutcase. (laughs) We're going to get more into this later, but I'm just curious. How did you handle it? Well, it was the end of the evening. I had zero energy. I actually recorded her because we have like this family photo share. Yeah. And my husband's always putting, you know, these pictures of the kids on there and like fun videos and all the fun we have. And my mom is always like, girl, you are blessed. Those babies are so well behaved. Oh, of course. The curated. Exactly. And I was like, you know, but you don't see the in-betweens, which there are a lot of. So I was actually recording this to put on the family share so that they can see what really goes down. Because life is not always rosy. Yeah. So I was just like, I just sat there and I gotten so much better at attacking that with being very calm. Oh, good for you. Okay. I hear you. Okay. All right. Yeah. I know you wanted a cookie. You did not eat your dinner. Just a lot of repetition Mm -hmm. and a lot of calm. That's great. Not always. I know we can't always do that, but that is a great way to respond. Well, listen, one thing I looked up because we also did a, did we do an app on meltdowns? We went to wine town that time. We went to wine town. That's right. Oh, yay. Not the fun wine town. (laughs) Not the wine town without an H, the kind with an H. (laughs) Yeah. So this one is temper tantrums. So I looked it up. Stanford Children's Health says that temper tantrums are a way a young child lets out strong emotions. Mm. Oh, really? Yeah. And they say before he or she is able to express them in socially acceptable ways. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. That's fair. Mm. But also, I think I had a tantrum about two weeks ago. Like, I'm an adult and I know how to express myself in acceptable ways. <laughs> I guess I didn't have one in the middle of Target and I didn't lie on the floor or something like that. Yeah, no. You didn't scream at the top of your lungs and... I didn't. I just pitched what I pitched a fit. Mm-hmm. I can't remember what it's about now. So, you know, it's a tantrum. <laughs> Stanford Children's Health says a child may seem totally out of control, but these fits of rage, stomping, screaming and throwing him or herself onto the floor are a normal part of childhood development. It is not mm. a reflection of your parenting. Mm. I don't know who else needs to hear that, but I do. <laughs> <laughs> like, what is going on? And my son is five, and he certainly has less. We realize, I can't remember if I told you this, Blair. We do like the chart on the wall. I'm actually writing on the wall itself rather than getting one of those paper charts that people get, which is much more mature. It is like magic eraser, take care of this. Yeah, like whatever pen is in the reach. And we realize that he grew an inch in two and a half months. Wow. So, yes, 
And only one of those nights did he have like growing pains where he woke up screaming and holding his legs and we had to give him infant Tylenol or child's Tylenol and stuff like that. Mm. But we realized like looking back over those three months that he had more meltdowns than usual. And of course, hindsight is twenty twenty. Mm. I'm like, oh, because he was growing at a rapid rate, like his body was out of control. He wanted me to carry him everywhere, all that, those kinds of things. Right. And he was having meltdowns. Now, some of the articles I read kind of use tantrums and meltdowns interchangeably, but Psychology Today had an interesting blog, What is the Difference Between Meltdowns and Tantrums? And they say that one of the most important distinctions to keep in mind between the two is that a meltdown is out of the person's control. It's driven by like a physical shutdown where they can't deal and they just melt. While a tantrum is, to a certain extent, driven by will. Now, that's interesting because that makes me think of your daughter, mm. who's very willful, independent, autonomous, two-year-old. Oh, gosh. Yeah. it's does it Maybe it starts with her will, and then all systems just shut down. And it kind of goes from a tantrum to a meltdown. Yeah, I mean, 30 minutes is a long time. Good Lord. Yeah. Yeah. Psychology Today says tantrums are triggered by something that the person wants or need, which they're not getting. Mm. Mm -hmm. Whereas a meltdown, there's very rarely ever just one trigger to identify. Meltdowns are caused by overload. They have zero control. They have no ulterior motive, no hidden agendas, no goal associated with the meltdown. They're not trying to get something or make something happen. They have simply lost control. Okay. So it's like the difference between like her wanting a cookie Mm -hmm. and losing her uh, sugars and then her just being tired. Yes, exactly. Well, you know, the person having the tantrum, they say, is also probably on shaky ground already. They're hungry or tired or overstimulated. Yeah. Yeah. So the loss of control about getting the thing they wanted sends them over the edge into a tantrum. But it can be stopped with self-regulation and willpower. Right, right, right. Sometimes it's hard for them to do, obviously, when they're young, too, when they don't have words. Mm. Oh, my gosh. Can you imagine? I do. And that's the thing. Like, I feel so bad because especially when she gets when it starts off with that willful stuff where I just want to jump out of a window. I'm like, all right handle it but then once i see that switch where now she's like super meltdown mode yeah then i just feel bad for her because i'm like oh yeah now you can't do anything you can't help yourself and you don't have the words yeah and you've spun yourself into a tizzy yeah where you can't breathe and you you know you can't get your breath and you're now overly tired yeah yes i feel bad for her and sometimes when my son does stuff, and again, he's five, and this still does happen occasionally. Oh, yeah. We're having a thing now, we've talked about this a little bit on the pod, where he wants to be the baby still. Mm. So he'll be like on my bed in the morning, and he'll say, carry me, carry me down, carry me down. And we're always trying to like, through positive reassurance and positive reactions, praise him for when he's being a big kid or taking some responsibility. Every once in a while, he comes out of his room dressed for the day. Mm, Yes. Come on, D. Yeah. So like, we know he can do it. (laughs) So then on the days when he doesn't, he says, I can't do my socks. You need to do it. I wanted to be like, the other day you came out and he always chooses like the sportiest outfit, (laughs) but layers of them. (laughs) So he's like LeBron James meets Joey from Friends when Joey put on all of Chandler's clothes. (laughs) And it was so funny. He walked into the girl's apartment across the hall from them and with all his clothes on. It was so funny. So that's my son. He comes out and he has on like a long sleeve t-shirt, a short sleeve t-shirt over it. Very skatery, very cool. Also a hoodie over that. Occasionally a button down shirt over that. A headband we got him, which is like zebra striped. We got it at the local sporting goods store, but he wears it to like hold his hair up. So he actually looks kind of hip. He looks like a basketball player, a soccer player. And then he usually has on at least one pair of pants, sometimes two, two mismatched socks, which we call crazy sock day. (laughs) And then he doesn't have shoes on, but he comes in and he's like a door. It's so funny. And he's often like holding a sword and wearing a mask. He's like, he has a lot going on. But we give him so much praise So then on the days when he does throw a tantrum, when I won't carry him down the stairs or whatever, it's especially frustrating for me. So Blair, the fact that you are able to stay calm is really good. Or most of the time we're human, but most of the time is really good. Mm -hmm. I'm usually just like my will is gone. She's taken it. Mm -hmm. All I have is calm. Oh, that's so funny. Oh, you're just depleted. Yeah, I'm just like, okay, I have some days I can actually be like, okay, this is how I need to handle this. Yeah. And it's also you just see the ridiculous 
ridiculousness of it sometimes too is just like, okay, enough. All right. You can handle it calmly. Yeah. And then, like I said, sometimes I'm just so tired and everything has been hard all day. I'm just like, this can't be hard for me right now. Right. I can't let this be the thing that breaks me. I know what you're doing. I see you. (laughs) I'm not going to let you take the last ounce of energy that I have to watch Narcos. (laughs) People love that show. Ooh, it's so good. I hear it's really good. I got to watch it. Well, here's a few reasons why some kids have tantrums. I mean, we all know these, right? Oh, my gosh. This from Stanford Children's Health. They want to be on their own, and they get upset when they can't do what they want. Oof. Right? So they are starting to establish independence. You get that? Is that your number one, would you say? That's number one for both my kids. Mm-hmm. And the five-year-old, more than anything now, is like, if he doesn't get what he wants, when he wants it, mm-hmm. at times, you know what, though? He revs it up. He knows, like, because he has the little one to watch. Right. So he'll rev it up. He'll be like, but I want you to. And I'm like, don't do it. Do yourself a favor and don't do that. Because you see that it gets her nowhere most of the time. Right. Don't do it. Does it work when you say don't do it? Don't do it. Yeah, sometimes it does. And he'll be like, what I was getting. I'm just like, just don't do it. Watch yourself. <laughs> and nip it in the bud. And he'll be like, but I want to color right now. And I'm like, well, I'm trying to set the table for dinner. So you cannot color right now. Maybe after dinner. And then his rational brain is like, oh, right. Well, that's that self-regulation. Exactly. You know, and sometimes you just need to like snap them out of it. You see them start to do the downhill roll. Mm -hmm. You're like, ooh, you got to stop that rock from rolling down that hill. (laughs) Stop that. Slow your roll, boo. So he's my light at the end of the tunnel. And I think this is what helps me with my calm Mm -hmm. is that I know that this is what's coming. Is that one day I will be able to talk you out of this insanity. Right. And let him regulate Mm -hmm. it. Some other times you may have seen tantrums crop up, listeners or Blair or me, when they're in a transition, such as from daycare to home. Oh, yeah. You know, that car ride or trying to go. We've talked about this in past episodes, trying to go from something they really love to something that they aren't so thrilled about, leaving the playground, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I know. I know. Transitions. We just did that transition episode. Oh, it's so true. Mm-hmm. Are trying to get attention to test the rules. Oh, Ooh, how far can I push mom and dad when they have something taken away from them? Always. Like the ability to color at the table when you're trying to set it. And of course, for little ones under the age of two, they have not learned all the words to tell you what they are feeling or want. Mm-hmm. And this upsets them. Yeah. Which we talked about. When they don't understand what you want them to do, if we're not being clear, or in my case, mm. I say too many words. <laughs> I give the background. I give the past, present, and future of why I need them to do something. <laughs> I give them the psychological aspect. I put it in context in the world. Meanwhile, they're just like, what? what you, where does this sock go? When will she stop talking? <laughs> Keep it clear, Molly. (laughs) Good Lord. (laughs) And of course, when they're tired or hungry, when they're worried or upset, or when they feel stress in the home. Mm -hmm. That's understandable. They're such sponges. If my husband and I are having whatever kind of stress, financial stress, you know, we bought a house during the pandemic and have done almost no work on it. Thanks for bringing it up. (laughs) (laughs) And that causes us stress. You know, just looking around at everything that we need to do. Yeah, I think the world would be just like a calmer place if kids knew that we get stressed out too. (laughs) And it has nothing to do with them. It's got nothing to do with them. It has everything to do with how nuts the world is, but that your tantrum ain't helping. (laughs) (laughs) I need you to help mommy out by not having a tantrum. But of course, in the middle of the tantrum... There's almost no reasoning, right? Like, or I guess that's more of a meltdown situation. Man, the difference between tantrum and meltdown really threw me for a loop. Because I thought sometimes I'm like, oh, my son is tantruming. But like in hindsight, I can see him, the flailing and the eyes and that mm-hmm. it's complete shutdown. So that's really, but tantrums, you know, because they are somewhat able to self-regulate during or through a tantrum, we might have some opportunity to help them out. When we get back from the break, we'll talk about ways we can help our kids Maybe not even go for a visit to Tantrum Town. How can we set them up for success beforehand? When you bring your child home for the first time, you want a baby monitor you can trust. When you choose Stork, you choose technology trusted to monitor 10 million babies in hospitals every year. 
Stork continuously tracks your baby's pulse rate, oxygen saturation, and temperature. Visit MassimoStork.com to learn more. Stork, a revolutionary baby monitor, is born. Stork is not a medical device. Read and understand all product labeling. Massimo data on file. I'm Margaret. And I'm Amy. And together we host the podcast, What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. Margaret, I would say you're sort of a where are my keys kind of mom. Correct. Sometimes a where are my kids kind of mom. (laughs) Well, you're Amy more of a we were supposed to leave 35 seconds ago, mom. I mean, touche. In each episode of What Fresh Hell, we come at a topic from our usually completely opposite perspectives. I bring the research. And I bring kind of the gimlet eye. Like, is that research really going to work, people? And almost 10 million downloads later, we're still laughing. We also talk to experts in the parenting field, plus parents with stories we can all learn from. We make each other laugh, we challenge each other's assumptions, and we have what we think is the best parenting community on the internet. Check out What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome back to Tyler Purgatory, where we're talking about that fun vacation that we like to take to Tantrum Town. I don't know about you, Molly, but it happens at least six or seven times a day in my household. It's real fun. I don't even pack my bags. I just go. Well, maybe you already have a vacation home there and you just leave the drawers filled with fun clothes. I do. Oh, man. But don't worry. When your youngest gets older, you'll be able to sell it. Oh, I can't wait. Sell that vacation home and way down in Tantrum Town. (laughs) You know, the good news is, and my son's an only child, so he's probably a bit more indulged than I'd like to ever admit. Don't tell anyone I said that. (laughs) (laughs) But they are getting lesser. So it is a kind of thing where if you're in the world of Tantrum Town, particularly because you have a one or two-year-old who just doesn't have the skills to pay the bills, (laughs) they don't have the ability to express themselves in ways that are helpful. They don't have words. They can't talk to you about stuff, right? And then you might be in the three to four, or in my case, five-year-old range, where my kid is vacillating between wanting to be the baby, wanting me to carry him, dealing with actual physical challenges like growing pains, like the fact that he is in pre-K, but he's five, so he doesn't nap. Mm-hmm. You know, like he lays there and he gets home and he's so frustrated and, you know, the, that kind of thing. All those transitions, all those things that our kids are dealing with that are the underlying source of these tantrums. You know what I was just thinking? What? Holy cannoli schmanoli. I was just thinking with my son, like his tantrums, you know, everyone like always wants you to be, you know, the two NATO and the, you know, what is it? Terrible twos? Terrible twos. <laughs> I said the two NATO. Three nagers, the two NATO. <laughs> But he wasn't like terrible, right? It wasn't yeah. terrible. I mean, he definitely had them. He went through them. But I'm telling you, this little girl of mine, and here's the thing too, I don't do gender things. You know, I don't, I hate when people are like, well, she's a girl. Yeah. You know, that's why she's like that. Cause you know, girls get what they want and they're loud about it. I'm like, I don't know. I'm not like that. And she is. So personality, so much of it is just personality. Personality. It's about personality. But what I just realized is, is that she's looking at her brother, who is sometimes very clear about what he wants, what he wants to do. You know, he's communicating to me clearly. She's watching this, and then she's looking at me doing the same thing. I don't necessarily know what she's saying, you know? And that adds to her frustration, which is adding to her, like, tantruming. Like, how is it that, and it's not calculating in her brain, how is it that he has these words and he's getting, how did he get here? It's the thing that we do in life, right? It's the thing that my freshman year students in their first year of college are like, why am I not a professional yet after a semester, right? like you have to get to it you have to go through it to get to it my dears yeah that's what i have to say to my two-year-old well now i know what to say to her later hopefully she'll get it oh i'm sure she'll get it right away and won't throw a tantrum at all oh yeah well that's a problem you know and for her she doesn't even when she's five she won't ever need to consciously know that that back when she was two you know what i mean that's the crazy thing exactly she's exactly where she's supposed to be developmentally Like, she's just dealing with it, right? Here are some ways to help your kid not have one. Knock on wood. Maybe. I don't know if this is going to work. 
you know, increase their chances for success of not having one. You know, I read this one. This is from Stanford Children's Health. Stick to routines for meals and sleep times. Don't go on long outings or delay meals and naps. Y'all, do what you can. I mean, just do the best you can. Stick to routines. This comes up in every pod up because it is so true. Routines work. They work. It gives our kids who have almost no control in life, that gives them a feeling of control. They know what to expect. They do. They do. Right? And it's so helpful. Also, we brought my son to a show on Sunday. Sidebar, it's the Nutcracker. Oh, yeah. And it was great. And also, he went to bed a full 45 minutes late. Surprise, surprise, the next morning he was uh, not fun. (laughs) It was not a good time. It was not great. And he ended up napping at school, which I mentioned earlier. He doesn't nap because he's kind of out of naps. But then at school he would for a while and then he didn't. And he'd get quite frustrated. They said he did sleep yesterday because of that change in his routine. It threw him off his game. Mm Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. And the don't delay meals thing, that is so true, man. It, isn't it so true that you got to have snacks in the car? you got to have a pocketbook full of peanut butter crackers. <laughs> Listen, I don't know about you, but if I don't have snacks, I will hear the word snacks for the next hour 489 million times. Yeah, they got to always be chomping. Oh, ABC, always be chomping. Chomping. It's so true. And it is worth it. I told you that I love that thousand hours outside Instagram account and charts and stuff like that. Yeah. And that's one of the things that they say always when you go outside, like you want to go out, even in winter, any weather you need to be outside. Always, always, always have a change of clothes and snacks. Like there's no, and obviously water, but like snacks are it, man. That gives you so much more momentum to go on throughout your day. Here's another interesting thing. Distract your child with a toy he or she is allowed to have. So, for instance, if you go into... Well, you and I have talked about this. If you go into a toy store or a store that has toys, like our favorite, mm-hmm. Marshalls. Mm-hmm. I mean, got to get with the Marsh. Come on. Maybe bring one of their... Particularly if they're kind of under three kind of thing. Bring one of their toys that they are allowed to have to distract them. Maybe it'll work. I don't know. Uh, no. Not, it's not going to be new. Not going to happen. There's no way that I'll be like... Here, take this old toy of yours amongst all these new ones. <laughs> Maybe if they're a baby. I don't know. Don't bring your kid to this store. No, <laughs> definitely not my two-year-old. Forget it. One of the things we have talked about, though, is rather than buying a kid a toy every time or having to deal with that, mommy, buy this for me, daddy, buy this for me all the time, mm-hmm. do the thing. I'm telling you, it works Say, why don't we take a picture of it for your wish list? Did it work? Molly, I did it. They did this Santa shop at my son's school. And we went to like a breakfast with Santa thing. And they had the Santa shop. You know, the shop where everything is like 25 cents. Oh, that's fun. And it's not. Actually, it's not. It's actually like $5 or more. That's so different from 25 cents. (laughs) (laughs) It was 25 cents when I was a kid. Now it's like $5 and over. Got it. But my son kept picking out things because they have it there. The idea is that you go to shop for your family. Mm -hmm. And of course, it's all like stuff that they like. It's all like plushies and squishy things and, you know, just random stuff. Yeah. So I said to him, I was like, you have got to pick things out for your grandparents and for your aunts and uncles, for your cousins. So I said, listen, this is what we're going to do. We're going to take a picture. You hold up what you think they might like, uh-huh. and we'll take a picture of it. So we did it, and it worked. He was more excited about taking the picture with the thing yes. than he was about, like, it took his mind off of getting it, getting the thing. Mm. It was smart, Molly. I'm so glad it worked. Oh, it worked like a charm. Really did. That's awesome. I, you know, my son is the same way. He loves the posing part. Like if he, he really wanted this, like not a bow and arrow, but the kind that you kind of hold flat and you pull it back and shoot it. Uh, I don't even know what it is, but it's from like, I'm thinking like a harpsichord, a crossbow. Okay. A crossbow, a crossbow, <laughs> a harpsichord. He really wanted to shoot a musical instrument across Marshall's. <laughs> And I said, put down that harpsichord. Yeah, he wanted a crossbow. It's like a toy crossbow. And I was like, whoa, that is major. But he loved posing with it. I think he made me take three pictures. But even that was better than dealing with the whining of him wanting it. It's like their short-term memories are so short that they don't even remember. 
And then he didn't remember that he took the pictures. It's all just in the moment. They live in the now. Uh, you know, Caesar Milan, he's the dog whisperer. Wait, it's the dog whisperer. Oh, okay. Yeah. But he said one thing about dogs that I have been able to apply to my kid. You know, I don't agree with his training techniques now. And now I know more. But when I used to watch it, one thing he said, which I really loved, was he said, dogs are not thinking about, they don't live in yesterday. They don't live in tomorrow. Mm-hmm. They live in the now. They live in today. And that is so true with kids. So true. Yes. So True. So if you can scratch that itch in the moment, you can often, not by giving them everything they want. No. But finding a way to get through that moment, they're not even going to remember that toy in 15 minutes. Yeah. At all. It really worked like a charm. I was like, let me just get this phone out. Let's take, let's take a picture. And then he cheesed so hard. And I was like, oh. And then he was like, let me find another one, mommy. And I was like, oh. It was like one of those moments where like the skies opened up and there was a beam of God's rays <laughs> that were shining upon me. And I got like this big, like thumbs up from the sky. Nice. Like you're doing it, girl. I was like, thanks, man. And then you high five the sky. And then that light just goes straight to dark <laughs> as my two year old like eats a cigarette butt and kicks some <laughs> old person in the shins. <laughs> Yum, kick. <laughs> so going back to how to, you know, kind of set our kids up for success, one of those ways is for us to manage our own expectations of our kid. And this is a good reminder. Be reasonable about what to expect from your child. Don't expect your child to be perfect. Sometimes I do. (laughs) Sometimes I'm like, oh, this is a moment where he shines or this is where in the past he has had great success. These kids are like all over the place, right? They're fireworks. Like who knows? So just be reasonable about what you're expecting from your kid. They're like turn on a hose. Yeah. Without holding it. It's like spraying everywhere. Whip, whap, whip, whap, whip, whap. Or like blowing up a balloon and then just letting it go. <laughs> that was really good, Molly. I apologize to our listeners for the really extended fart noise. But I promise you I was trying to do the balloon. Thank you very much. If you saw it and heard it, you would have been like, wow. <laughs> you need to put that on your resume. Now, listen to our transitions episode because we had a lot of good tools for this. Prepare your child for changes or events by talking about them before they happen. Essentially, ease your child through transitions. It's going to be really, really help you to prevent these tantrums. And also a big one, let your child know your rules and stick to them. Oh, I forgot about that part too. Stick to them. Mm-hmm. You have to. You know what? It's so funny. They live in the moment, but they remember all the things that they want to remember. <laughs> and one thing that they always remember is when you caved and what worked. It happens in my house. And it's like, like I said, sometimes I handled the tantrums with calm mm-hmm. and reason. And sometimes I fly completely off the handle. I'm like, all right, what is it that you want? And then she gets it. Right. And that's when she's like... <laughs> All right, let me write the. What day is it? Hey, Pete, what's today? All right, March 23rd. I got your number, Mama. 2021. Awesome. What time is it? Yo, give me a time check on here. Yeah, because for some reason, it's like they know what works. Yes. They've seen it. They, yeah, you are right. On the one hand, they live in today as far as like getting passed buying them stuff at a store or whatever. And on the other hand, for sure, my son brings up stuff from two weeks ago. Yeah. About something I did. Oh, yes. And oh, even like I told him the story once of how when I was a kid, I had a cat named Honey who got out and, you know, unfortunately was killed. But he remembered me mentioning that in passing. And a couple of weeks later, because we're fostering a kitty right now, he brought it up and he goes, he said something like, let's try to get the words right. Mama, do you love the kitty? And I said, I do. I love her. And he goes, but not as much as you loved Honey. <laughs> it's like, I remember that. I remember that story. And he wasn't trying to be mean or bring me to a sad place. He just was like... I remember that because it's just they do have things that imprint on them for sure. Oh, yeah. Yes. Okay. So we've heard about what can kick off the tantrum, how we can handle it and set our kids up for success. When we come back from the break, we're going to talk about some tools we can use once that one way ticket to tantrum town has been bought and paid for and they're on the train and they're going into this terrible place called tantrum town. How are some ways that we can react? We'll be right back. If you're a parent, I invite you to join us at the Mindful Mama podcast, where it's all about becoming a less irritable, more joyful parent with sometimes hilarious and always thought provoking experts and friends at Mindful Mama. We know that you cannot give what you do not have. And when you have calm and peace within, then you can give it to your children. I'm Hunter Clark Fields, and I can't wait to see you there. Listen in to the Mindful Mama podcast. 
feel like you're the martyr in your family, you're not alone. Hey, this is Joanne. And Brie. And we're from the No Guilt Mom podcast. Brie, we talk to a lot of moms. Yeah, we sure do. And if you're a mom who has a to-do list that is so massive that you get overwhelmed and you shut down. Or if you fall into the habit of doing everything for everyone and don't know how to change it, we can help you become a no guilt mom. We're going to take you from family martyr to family model. That's role model so that you role model the behavior that you want to see out of your kids. You're going to go from being tired and overwhelmed to energized and guilt free. Every week, you'll get actionable strategies that you can implement right away from the experts that we interview and from us. We also have a whole lot of fun. So check out the no guilt mom podcast everywhere you listen to your favorite shows. Welcome back to Toddler Purgatory, where we're talking about tantruming, the most fun thing in parenting. And now we're going to get into some real, like, solid tips on what to do for yourself more than anything. Yeah. Well, you're not going to be surprised by this. And Blair, I like that we already talked about this is something that you use sometimes because you simply don't have the strength. Mm -mm. And sometimes because you're... (laughs) You're doing it as a tool, which is to stay calm. Murray Strauss is a professor of sociology and co-director of the University of New Hampshire Family Research Lab in Durham. And Murray says, when disciplining, it's important to focus on behavior and not emotionally attack your child. People say that's unrealistic, but it's not unrealistic to refrain from yelling at coworkers. We have to treat our children at least as well as we treat our colleagues. That is so true. Uh, that is such a good way to think of it, isn't it? Yeah. If you wouldn't treat your coworker that way, you shouldn't treat your child that way. That's very interesting. But here's the thing, though, about that. Here's my devil's advocate to that. Sometimes my coworkers, I don't like. You what? Oh, you don't like. My it. coworkers, I just don't like. I don't care. But you still wouldn't yell at them. True. <laughs> oh, I think you actually thought about that, like, but wouldn't I? <laughs> <laughs> like, but. I mm. don't like you. <laughs> But it, that is one way to keep it in perspective, I guess. Stay calm, just as you would with a coworker. Yeah, that's an interesting way to think of it. Yeah. Now, another thing that I thought was interesting, this is from Stanford Child Health. They said, ignore the child until he or she is calmer. Yeah. Keep doing whatever you were doing before the tantrum happened. Yep. I thought that was really interesting. Yep. One thing we learned in a previous app was somebody used the phrase, Ignore the behavior, not the child. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was interesting. And I've been trying to do that in my own life with my five-year-old. And it works to a certain extent, but it's a slippery slope when I ignore the behavior, but I still like take my child in or say, okay, I'm going to go and get our hot cocoa ready or whatever it is. Because then they think, oh, you're going to engage. Mm. Like I have your ear. I have whatever. So I do wonder if I need to, you know, what's it called? Shelf that, Mm -hmm. ignore the behavior, not the child. And maybe in this case, ignore the child until they are calmer. Yeah. Parents Magazine says one tip is to walk out of the room and set a timer for a few minutes and then go check on them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I do it all the time. I'm like, all right, I'm good. And it's, again, I'm a selfish person. I'm completely okay with that. My kids are still really great people. Mm -hmm. But I'm like, hashtag self-care. Bye. I'm leaving. I don't need to deal with this behavior. It's irrational. Right. You know that it's irrational, but you are in it. So I'll wait till it comes down a little bit. One thing which is helpful, too, is to rely on brief, easy commands. Hmm. And now this is from Parents Mag, and it's just what we were talking about. In general, young kids are easily diverted. Yep. So... True. Tantrums can sometimes be cut short with early commands that are brief, easy to follow, and quickly grab a toddler's interest. The more specific, the better. Like, Mm -hmm. don't hit the dog. As opposed to me, that's like, you know, a dog is an important member of our family. (laughs) Back in 2011, I walked to the Brooklyn Animal Resource Center to look at dogs. And my son is like already... In Meltdown Town. Yeah, the more specific, the better. Don't hit the dog. Or distract with short, specific invitations. Let's color. Mm-hmm. Rather than a vague, be good. Right. I thought that was interesting. Yeah, that's a good one. Stop it. Specificity. Don't do that. Yes. Don't do that. Don't say stop it. Don't say be good. Those are vague. Those are just like commenting on the situation as opposed to something short and specific. I love that. And speaking of diverting them, another suggestion is a quick change of location can also be effective. Mm -hmm. Time to water the flowers. 
Mm-hmm. Right? Boop, boop, get them somewhere else. And then hopefully that will break, you know, their concentration on the tantrum. So my two-year-old was having a tantrum. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I was ignoring the child and the behavior. Yeah. And I started watering the plants and she came over and I had the mister because I like to mist my leaves. Oh, mister. Yeah. Oh, got it. I thought you were talking about your husband. Not that one. And I had the mister. And I had the mister with me. <laughs> Just cheering me on as I water my plants. Hey, mister. I'm misting the plants. And she like walks over. She's like. <laughs> So I just calmly looked at her and just playfully just like misted her in the face. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's cute, though. And she was like, oh, this is fun. So then it became a game. So then I missed myself in the face. And it was like, you know, and she completely it turned it around. Now, I can't always miss her in the face like a cat. Yeah. But being silly. But that was good. I think that's perfect. It was you not only did a quick change of location, you ignored the behavior Mm -hmm. and then set up an opportunity for her to move on to something that was more fun. So in essence, you have to try many things at once. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's the thing about this list. This is not prescriptive. These are tools. Mm -hmm. And so like, as we always say, rely on your gut, rely on your own intuition, but also, you know, your kid, nobody knows your kid like than you 100% more than you. So do your thing. Obviously, don't hit or spank your child. No. And parents actually says, conversely, give them a hug. It may feel like the last thing you want to do when your kid's throwing a tantrum, but it can really help them settle down. Parents Magazine says they're talking about a big, firm hug, not a super cuddly one. And don't say a word when you do it. Mm. Again, you'd just be entering in a futile battle of wills. Hugs make kids feel secure and let them know that you care about them, even if you don't agree with their behavior. That's, I love it. I got to say, I grew up in a household. We got spankings, right? But somehow that kind of gets like molded into your DNA. Yes. And it's something that I really have to fight hard against not to do. Mm -hmm. And there have been times where I have been pushed to that level, but I have done just that. Instead of going to brace myself for a, I just squeeze a big hug. Don't say anything because at the moment I'm like, right. But a deep embrace has definitely helped both of us out. That is so sweet. I love that. Because I've been able to like just toss that energy and that anger and that rage yeah. out the door because it instantly melts into love as soon as I like embrace my child. Yeah. It's tough. And especially if you have that or that's how you were raised and you go into tantrum because sometimes that's how tantrums were stopped, at least in my household. You know what I mean? Yep. So it's like, oh, but you know, it's all that stuff just leads to fear. Yes. Governing by fear. Deep fear that turns into a whole heck of a lot of situations later on down the road that some therapists will have to sit down and listen to. Yes. Well, that's an interesting point, Blair, because if you're governing with fear, then your kids will never learn that it's okay to have feelings, to express those feelings. Absolutely. Especially, not to derail the conversation too much, but especially boys. Mm Hmm. Like I say to my son all the time, it's okay for you to feel your feelings. It's fine for you to cry. Crying is good. Crying is actually, I think I may have mentioned to you, like one time he said he wasn't brave because he cried. Oh, But I wasn't brave, mama, because I cried. And I said, oh, I don't know who's teaching you that crying is the opposite of brave. Because that's not true. Crying is brave. It means that you're willing to show your heart to the outside world. It means you're willing to be vulnerable in a situation where you feel out of control. Yes. Please feel those feelings, I said, but you've got to let them run through you like a river. Mm -hmm. And rivers have an end. So you can't cry (laughs) all day long. (laughs) Rivers end in an ocean. (laughs) That's just facts. But yeah, but he'll hang on. He'll hang on to those emotions and cry, 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 cry. And then it's like, okay, you need to let this go through you. It's great to feel feelings. And then you need to move forward, you know. Mm Mm-hmm. But yeah, you're telling them that their feelings aren't valid. And I think hugging them is interesting because without saying a word, because it's saying I'm here for you and I love you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm here. But let's take it on down. So here's another thing we talk about all the time, which is like every situation is different. (laughs) Timing is everything. Sometimes you just need to get through the day. So and I have a point counterpoint here. So one of the articles I read said, don't give in to the tantrum. When parents give in, children learn to use inappropriate behavior to get their way. And in general... I think that is very true. Yeah. However, you and I both agree, as does Parents Magazine in this particular article, in some cases, giving into the tantrum <laughs> within reason will help you. Take it. What is it that you want? Yep. Take it. Go ahead. Here it is. Okay, go ahead. 
<laughs> this is not worth it to me. <laughs> Parent says sometimes this is a smart strategy. While bribery and all the articles I read were like, do not use bribery. Do not use bribery. I'll give you some ice cream if you stop crying. Don't do it. That should never be an Don't option. But for example, if you want to have a peaceful car ride, you might give in to your child's request to hear the same song over and over again. For sure. <laughs> That's so true. Just give in. Some t- if it's not that big and if it means in the moment for you, peace of mind. Yes. And needing a mental break. Just do it. Yeah. Don't make it a habit. But if you feel as though you're making it a habit, that means mama needs a break. Yeah. So take a break if you can, because then you're going to go into that thing of like, I X, Y, Z as a parent because I let my kid do this. No, mom. No. No, dad. You're just tired. You just need a break. Yep. Take that break. And sometimes it just happens. Like it sometimes it just has to happen. I think it was big little feelings. Mm. I'll have to look it up. But an Instagram account I follow and like who said that they rely on the 80-20 rule. Like 80% of the time, try to do the best you can. Don't give in to right. tantrums. Try to get good food on the plate. Make sure they your kids are eating their colors. You know, make sure they you support them, supporting their feelings. You set them up with art projects while you're making dinner, that kind of thing. But 20% of the time, just do what you got to do. <laughs> just do what you, just 20% of the time, I just light it all on fire. Yeah, like sometimes <laughs> it's just a chicken nuggets and veggie straws kind of night mm-hmm. for dinner. It just is. Sometimes it's screen time when there wasn't any screen time planned or as a reward. They haven't done anything to deserve it. And yet here we are churning on happy feet. Happy feet one and two in a row. You're welcome, kid. It's all good. That's my 20%. We're doing 80-20 <laughs> today and I'm on 20. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so sometimes you got to do what you got to do. So the last thing we want to go over is something that I think affects all parents, which is a little thing called public tantrums. Ugh. That's always such a, like, it's almost, it's not a deep fear for me, but it is like a, oh, not now. Not now. I'm just trying to get you out of this craft store. (laughs) So we always have that feeling in mind. People are looking at us. People are judging us, whatever. And 90% of the time, nobody is judging you for your kid having a tantrum because everybody has either had a tantrum or has had kids who have had tantrums. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Or they will in the future. And what they might be doing is clocking your reaction to them Mm -hmm. because they're also trying to see what they should do. You know, it's really about, we're always kind of thinking of ourselves. Mm -hmm. So for public tantrums, the first thing they say is, hey, move locations. Just move locations. Yeah. When your child is having a public tantrum, pick them up and carry them calmly to a safe place. Take them to your car or a public bathroom where they can blow off steam. Once you're in a quieter place, calmly explain your position and try to ignore the tantrum until it stops. Hmm. Sometimes just touching or stroking a child will soothe them. That's what we were talking about. The hug thing is kind of similar. If your child continues to scream, place them securely in their car seat and head for home. Mm -hmm. Your target chip is over. Mm -hmm. Ugh, I hate those words. (laughs) I was about to say, now my target chip is over. Yeah, exactly. Sometimes you have to do it. Mm -hmm. And you don't want to give in just to reduce embarrassment because then that response will let your child know that every time they're out and they have a tantrum, they can get what they want. Yeah. So just pick them up calmly. So then in that parents article, they quote Alan Kasdan, who's a professor of psychology and child psychiatry at Yale University. Ooh, he's smart. He wicked smart. And he says kids, even very young ones, are smart. If you get angry or stressed or cave in and let him get his way just to end the meltdown before more people start staring, he'll learn that, aha, it works. Yes. Dr. Kazin said the best thing you can do is suck it up, plaster a Mona Lisa smile on your face, and pretend everything is just peachy, as presumably you're picking them up and carrying them to a quiet, calmer place. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Listen, I don't. As you know, Molly, sometimes I really just don't give any flying colors about what other people think, and... When my kids tantrum in public, I let them go. I let them do it. Yeah. If they're not going to hurt themselves or if they're not knocking food off of shelves at the grocery store and stuff, I think that's... Yeah. I would do the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. And then because here's the thing, too, is that sometimes I see other parents with kids and I'm like, "Mm mm-hmm, you know exactly what I'm going through. Yes. You know exactly. You see it. This is a real thing. My kid's human and so am I. And then I see those people that are just like, that feel so bad for me. And those are the people that I'm really just trying to connect to. Like, you see me, right? You see me, right? Of course. Of course. But it's, I feel like sometimes a tantrum in public is like a way to connect with the world when it comes to parenting. 
Oh, that's so funny because you know you're going to get those people who look you dead in the eyes and are like, mm-hmm. Just that little nod like, been there. I'm with you. It's just like, it's just such human behavior. It's just such a human moment that I'm just like, all right, this is what you're doing. Cool. Go ahead. Yeah. And if, it, I mean, if it gets out of control and all those things, then, then yes, I do all the things that need to do. But, oh, and then another thing, I'm not going to plaster a smile on my face. If I'm not having a good time, <laughs> I'm not having a good time. And everybody's going to know that I'm not having a good time. Oh, you're so funny. You got to do what you got to do. You got to do what you got to do. And I cannot pretend that this is like, this is cool. This is all right. We're fine. We're not. This is like normal behavior. This is what happens. I think it's more about when they say plaster the Mona Lisa smile on, I feel like they're saying your kid during their tantrum, as we discussed earlier, it's not a meltdown. They're not seeing stars. They don't have fuzzy vision. They're not completely out of control. They might be clocking your reaction. I think that's part of it, too. Oh, you're always so good at like seeing like the smart side of things. I'm like, I'm unhappy. I'm not smiling. No, I mean, I think in the article they're saying if you're worried about how people perceive you, feel free to throw in a smile and make it to get you through it, right? But I think I personally take from that also that your kid is seeing that too. And if they see that you are unaffected, even just faking it, then that means what they're doing isn't working. All right. Just kidding. No, but I totally know what you mean. But if one of your kids was melting down and then out of the side of their eye looked up to see, ooh, I wonder if this is working on mama and they see you being affected by them, it means they have power. Right. So that's just something to think about. Meanwhile, you're just like break dancing in the middle of the chip aisle. <laughs> Wait, who is me? Yeah. You just have a good old time. Break dancing. Your kids breaking down. Your kids breaking down. I'm breaking down. <laughs> <laughs> uh, if I started break dancing, my son, that would break him out of the tantrum. Exactly. He'd be like, mama, don't embarrass me. <laughs> He's such a teenager in a five-year-old body. Uh, two other quick tips before we go. Some A lot of people think about using timeout during tantrums. And actually, that was on some of the lists. Use timeout for a short period. If that is in your family, like helpful to allow the child to get back into control. In my family, that would turn my son's tantrum into a meltdown. We have challenges with timeouts because he's five, I think. That's part of it. Parents Magazine says, actually save timeouts for harmful behavior. Mm -hmm. So if they're tantruming and you know, going to hurt the dog, going to hurt themselves, going to hurt you, going to break things, then certainly use a timeout for that. But Parents Magazine reminds us the more you use them, the less effective they become. For sure. Just along those lines of like spinning out of control, violence, you know, hurting themselves, that kind of thing. Those like we always say, if you feel as though it's too much or it's not normal or it's without of your reach of controlling or getting it together, see a specialist see a doctor, talk to your pediatrician. Yeah, go see, call your pediatrician. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, don't let it spin out of control to where you are blaming yourself for your child's behavior when it could be something completely and totally out of both of your controls. That's great. When your child finally gets their tantrum in control, move on right away. Move on. Move on, sisters and brothers. Go to your child, give them a hug and a kiss, tell them you love them. And move on. Dwelling on it only makes them feel bad and may even cause the tantrum to start up again. What? No, thank you. <laughs> thank you. I'm good. I deboarded this train. <laughs> I'm not getting back on. And if you want to talk about it, just wait a few hours until you're calm and you're in a good place. And with your, if you're three or four, or even in my case, five-year-old, ask him what happened. Why did that outburst happen? And then help maybe talk to them about some problem-solving strategies for the future. How could they have handled it differently? Absolutely. Yeah. Put it in their hands, for sure. Yeah. And and work with them on it. I mean, share the load, because they're still three and four years old, five years old. But yeah, have them come up with I'll tell you when that doesn't work, when they're two. (laughs) Yes. Having a discussion with a two-year-old in general is a hilarious endeavor. Mm -mm. Yeah. Don't do that. Don't put yourself through that. Oh, man. I do miss when my son was two, though, because, boy, are they cute. It's hard when you're in it. So, yes, you know, as we always say... Talk to a professional, talk to a pediatrician if you find that these tantrums are truly out of control, they enter meltdown mode most of the time, or they're happening with more regularity than feels right. I know that I have taken note of a lot of these things. I've gotten some too. Let me tell you something. I never thought, I think my gut reaction is to walk away or get put space between me and a tantrum. So that tip about not saying a word, giving them a solid hug to show them you're there, Give them some comfort, even that physical touch, as they said in the other one, you know, a stroking or a little shoulder rub or something lets them know you're there. I think I need to engage that physicality more because I definitely don't usually do that. My instinct is to run, like put space between me and my kid. It's true. <laughs> run. 
It's true because I think of like what you said, like either we're all tired or we none of us have eaten enough. You know what I mean? Like we're all kind of going through this together. Then if he starts tantruming, I go, oh, okay, that's it. I'm done. Like that's not a great reaction. So I'm going to take step one, stay calm, and then try and do the hug thing as one of my tools. I'll let you know how it goes. We'll see. Good. And I think for me, it's treating them like a coworker. Oh, you wouldn't scream at your coworker. Yeah. And I'm not going to do that. Well, Blair, thanks for talking to me today. You're welcome. We'll see you next week. Do go to toddlerpurgatory.com. And we have all our episodes there. Oh, so many good things. Merch. Some merch. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You want me and Molly's face upon your chest? Go get yourself a t-shirt. Or a onesie. Or a pillowcase. Oh, that's right. Any, anything you want, we got it. I mean, a toddler purgatory onesie, that's pretty great. If you would, like, rate, review, wherever you listen to podcasts. And, hey, we'll see you next week. Take it easy. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book, Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book, Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone, and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy.